Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. How are you on this fantastic day? I hope you're doing well wherever you are, and maybe you could find a little bit of joy in your life. Um, Today, I will be talking a little bit about joy because it is something that I am interested in sharing with you. I know there's a lot of stuff happening out in the world, and everyone keeps talking about it because there's nothing else going on except, you know, the panini. (laughs) I mean, yes, of course, there's other things going on, but there's this shadow of how our world has changed and shifted since March of 2020. So I wanted to take some time to look at joy, at what it is, how it's been elusive or for some, and how we might be able to find it again uh, so that we can thrive because we are on this planet not just to survive. You know, we didn't choose to come here in this lifetime just to get by. You know, we are here to fulfill some purpose and whatever that purpose is, I'm sure joy is involved, right? (laughs) So, okay. So we're going to, we're going to go and turn to the Hafez Oracle of Poems. Oh, and by the way, for those of you watching this on YouTube, the, um, background is a little different today, isn't it? I did some rearranging of furniture in my studio. And so I've got an actual background. I don't like it in terms of feng shui. I have my back to the windows, which is not a good thing, energetically speaking, but, um, I wanted to just try it out and see what it was like to shift some furniture around, move some energy, get some, you know, fresh juice in here, so to speak. Um, so I, you can see some books, my bookshelf over there, um, my work table and the uh, really cool painting. Um, so yeah, just thought, well, I revamped the podcast, might as well revamp the writing space at the writing studio, recording studio. It's the studio. <laughs> and if you are local, you want to come check it out, reach out to me and you can pop on by. It's such a fun room. I love it. Okay, so the Oracle of Poems. Let's turn to Hafez and see what what will come forward for us today. Ooh, this is interesting. You know, I have issue with Daniel Ladinsky's uh, translation, and I know I've said this many times on the show before. So if someone has a recommendation for other translations of Hafez, please email me, leslieann at suryagian.com. I would so welcome any other translations. (laughs) As you know, translation is everything from our previous episode with Kazim Ali. Okay. Kazim's great. Uh, Okay. So here's the poem. 
two giant fat people. <laughs> okay. God and I have become like two giant fat people living in a tiny boat. We keep bumping into each other, laughing. Hmm. So there you go. There's the joy right there in those lines. Of course, I would read it again, but I just closed the book. Um, so just think about us being so huge and two huge beings, we'll say, cramped in this little tiny boat and just bumping into each other. And every time we touch and connect, it's laughter because it reminds us of joy because bumping up into the divine is joy. It's joy. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about joy. Okay. So here we are. I want to talk about joy because um, last week I was sending out a five-part story called the story of joy. <laughs> not, not very dazzling or clever with the language. It's just a simple story. <laughs> and um, if you didn't hear about it or read about it, you should hop on my mailing list and you can do that by just going to suryagian.com slash subscribe. I will put the website in the show notes um, and you'll get all five parts plus a little bonus gift after. Uh, but the, the story was really following this person named Joy who was living a humdrum life. And uh, they or she was on autopilot doing the same thing over and over again, you know, because she just forgot who she was. And then something happens to shift her out of that. And then she goes through this whole transformation. And by the end, I'm going to let you guess, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But the really fun thing is that this story is told in verse. So you get some, you know, poems in your inbox. Um, yeah. So subscribe, please. Cause I think you'll love it. So I was, I've been thinking about joy because I, it seems like I'm, I, I, I'm not surrounded by people who are, are struggling, but I, I'm witness to a lot of struggles um, in different uh, social media groups, in, in different, you know, like conversations, people seem to be having a hard time, you know, whether it's the mental strain of living in a pandemic, um, the, the political climate here is really intense. Um, there's, you know, back and forth between the whole issue of vaccine and mask and all these things, right? And everyone's getting caught up in um, those kinds of debates. And I'm not going to get into that right now because I, you know, I know where I stand. Vaccinate and put a mask on. Simple as that. You want to stop the spread? You want to stop pandemic? That's what you do. We're not having a debate about science. But if you want to, you can. It's just not going to be with me because that's that's where I stand. <laughs> and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably on the same team as me. So um, I'm not interested in creating division between people. I am interested in looking at what is causing this kind of division. And a lot of it is pain and suffering from unhealed trauma, from not being heard, not being seen, not feeling loved, not feeling worthy. And that's really what's at the core, at the essence of this. You know, it's, it's what's happening is that everyone is caught up in their egos. And I don't mean ego as in 
you know, like, oh, I'm so wonderful. You know, I mean, there's that, there's that too, of course. I'm talking about the spiritual ego, you know, the one that is most active when it senses that we are in danger. It's the one that says we're going to kick into survival mode and it doesn't matter if it's at the cost of harming other people because we need to look out for ourselves. You know, that's, that's the ego that we need to be aware of. And so thinking about, you know, the arguments, the debates, the discussions, not just about this, but also about race and, you know, just the conversations around like, for example, critical race theory, like, I don't think folks understand, like the ones who are against it don't understand what it actually is. Like they just throw this term around, which I think is so funny that it's like all of a sudden a new term when it's actually been around for a while. Critical race theory is not like teaching people to hate. And the people who say that are the ones who aren't actually reading the stuff to find out what they're protesting. So Here's a tip. If you're going to protest something, why don't you do some homework to figure out what it is you're actually protesting before you do that? So that way you can have a little bit of credibility in your argument. I'm just saying. But again, let's go back to the spiritual part of it because that's what this show is about, right? It's looking at our spiritual health, our spiritual development, where we are spiritually in relationship to the external, the three-dimensional world, because we have to live in it, right? We are here on this planet in the 3D human body, having human experiences. And unfortunately, racism is part of that. You know, unfortunately, you know, arguing about the um, validity of vaccines is part of it. And so how do we navigate that while continuing on our spiritual journey? How do we find joy in these moments of struggle in these moments of, of like, sort of like baseline arguments about things that I don't know. I don't know. It's, there's a lot to unpack and I'm not going to take the whole show to unpack everything because it's, it's exhausting and it would overwhelm you. And I'm not interested in overwhelming people. (laughs) So I want to talk about joy. Okay. And so let's talk about the absence of joy. Because that seems to be the thing that is happening. We forget who we are. We are love made manifest. When we say namaste in a yoga class, it translates roughly as the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you, which is a reminder that yes, we are all from the same source. We all have that divine light. In Catholicism, it's the Holy Spirit you know? Um, and so what happens is that we've got all this external stuff on top of us, on top of our light, it covers up our light, you know, and it starts from when you're born and depending on who your caregivers are, whether it's your parents, grandparents, relatives, or friends or whatever, it depends on their conditioning and their conditioning will then get passed on to you. And so if you are um, a kid of immigrants like me, for example, you know, there's this pressure to excel, you know, in my family, I was the oldest, the firstborn out of all the cousins, you know, and a girl at that. So as a girl, I was not um, to be heard, only seen, maybe. 
uh, but I was expected to excel. And because my parents came here for better opportunities, you know, they, they also fled martial law, but they won't talk about that. <laughs> they won't see it as that, you know, they don't frame it as that. They say they came to the United States for more opportunities and more opportunities for their children. And so in order for me to take advantage of these opportunities, I must excel. And so that layer of conditioning gets put on me and Excel, according to them, means to be a certain um, professional, a certain kind of career path that needs to be what I pursue. And so in my family, and like most Asian families, that could be a doctor or a lawyer or maybe an engineer. Now I know when engineer was th thrown in there, I twitched a little bit because that didn't sound like anything I could even comprehend. Um, doctor or lawyer, I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess I don't have any choice. Right. And so there's another layer. Okay. So now the path is starting to, to get mapped out for me. Oh, you're not worthy. Um, those messages were given to me because, you know, of let's say I requested something and the, the response that I got was not the response that felt nurturing. I don't have any specific examples because uh, a large part of my childhood is blocked out, you know, and one of the signs of childhood trauma is not being able to remember a whole lot from your childhood. And so I have big pockets of blank, you know, blank memory. I just know that the messages I got that I received are in my body. And so those play out in the life that unfolds before me, the life that I create. Now, we've got lots of conditioning layers, right? And so I liken it to lots of layers for winter. Like, let's say you're, you know, you're really, really cold and you want to put on some layers. So you put on first a tank top because you want something close to the skin. Then you put on a t-shirt. Then you put on, let's say, a, a flannel. Then you put on a sweater then you put on like another sweater and then a coat and then a blanket on top of that. You get the idea. So conditioning is that it's like the responses you receive from the external world get put on you. And so you don't know any better as a kid. You just go, oh, okay. So this is how it's supposed to be. This is how I survive by doing what the adults around me say. And depending on your fire, depending on your inner light, you know, and depending on, on your perceived level of danger, you, you're, that will determine how successful you are at covering up your light. You know, I probably was pretty good at covering up my, my fire, but there were moments here and there where it would just come out. It would just go, psst, psst you know, like little, little moments of defiance, little moments of, you know, doing my own thing, acting like a weirdo or whatever it is, but they were just small moments, um, creative outlets that sometimes I would just do in my own room and they, nobody would know, but you know, they, it had to get out some way or somehow. And so that light is joy, that light within us, that divine light is love, it's joy, and it gets covered up that we forget that it even exists. So some people might be thinking, okay, what's the difference between happiness and joy? Because, you know, there's like the pursuit of happiness, but no one ever says the pursuit of joy, right? So joy is something that's already in you. You are joy. 
made manifest, your love and joy made manifest. So joy for me is this um, quality of light. I liken it to that sort of sparkly light on the surface of the ocean or in the late morning on a summer day. You know, it's just like kind of blinding, but you can kind of see the, the light jumping off. And I don't know, it's just really cool. Happiness is something that we experience as an emotion that is based in response to external things. So if you have, let's say an ice cream cone and it's like, oh my God, I'm so happy. It's my favorite flavor, you know, or you're petting a puppy with its soft fur. It's like, yes, puppies everywhere. (laughs) Um, That is happiness. So happiness is the external thing and joy is coming from within. Okay. And so where does it go? You know, we get stuck in these external expectations. We live in a capitalist society that lays down the law of what you need to be doing in order to survive. And so we do the thing we need to do to survive because if we don't survive, then we perish. But what if it was possible to survive, to not perish by thriving? by living in our joy. How's that for an option? You know, so the thing is we, as humans go through a lot of pain. I, you know, I just was talking about all these debates and these discussions and these, these heated fights and arguments that are going on and everyone is in so much pain. And how do we, what do we do with that? Well, first of all, you can't fix other people's pain right? You can't fix other people. You can't heal other people. You can offer them an invitation to self-awareness. You can say, Hey, have you ever thought about maybe why you're so angry? Like, what's that about? Um, you can heal yourself. That's really the only power that you have is to go inside, to take a look at why you're in pain, why you're suffering, why you think things are hard, and then work on that, work on healing those wounds, on healing those traumas, and peeling away the layers, peeling, you know, suddenly all those winter layers you have on, you just, you know, take a coat off, you take the shirt off, take, you know, whatever off. If you want to be naked, okay, just, you know, don't get arrested. (laughs) But to think about how we can work on healing ourselves so that we can get back to joy, right? Because when we are joyful, when we can just be fully like, ah, in love with ourselves, who we are, who we're being in love with our lives that we are creating in love with the people around us, even if they are our sworn enemy, (laughs) you know, that, that radiates out to people. People see that they're like, oh my God, I want what she's having. (laughs) You know, I want that joy. I want that feeling of celebration. I didn't know that life could be so light, that life could be so full and vibrant, but now I see that in the example of this person, you know, um, 
So you can be that person. You can be that example for somebody else. It's so hard because a lot of us are like, you know, I want to do more. I want to help people. I want to serve people. I want to like, you know, that's going to give me meaning in my life. But if you're not helping yourself first, if you're not healing yourself first, it's very hard to offer that same service to others. You know, uh, people may look at you like, okay, I, I get it. You want to help me in my trauma, but have you, have you helped, have you healed your trauma? No, do you, can you write your story of trauma without getting re-traumatized? Because if you re-traumatize yourself, how are you going to be useful to me? Hmm. Yeah. So this brings up a good question, right? Self-care is something that has been, I don't know, it's just been messed with. I don't like it. I mean, capitalism has a way of messing with a good thing, right? You know, like we talk about self-care, it sounded really great. It was like, take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, then you're not really going to be useful to other people. It's like putting your mask on, your oxygen mask on first when you're on an airplane before you put on other people. Because if you pass out, because you don't have your mask on, because you're trying to help somebody else, that's one less person who can help people on the plane. So always put yours on first so that you can be of use to others. But then what happened with capitalism is that they co-opted that and they said, hey, you know what? Treat yourself to a massage, treat yourself to a spa weekend, a retreat in the desert, whatever it is. And then the people who are anti-capitalists were like, see, self-care is just a joke because it's all about spending money and trying to live this lush life, whatever, whatever. And then people are like, dang it, now what? Like, I can't take care of myself because then I'm going to look guilty of participating in the system of capitalist society. And I don't want to do that because I'm a good person. And so everything gets all screwed up, right? So here's the thing. Taking care of yourself is a very individual practice. It can look like a pedicure. Don't let other people talk you out of it. Personally, I get a pedicure because I know that there are so many nerve endings at the bottom of my feet, like our feet, the nerve endings at the bottom of our soles or our feet, so many that it's almost like a map to the inside of our bodies. It's like this microcosm of where things hurt, you know, and that's why Chinese reflex, reflexology is so amazing because they've mapped the body on the sole of the feet and they know exactly what pressure points to push to apply pressure to, to treat whatever funky is going on inside your body. So cool. But maybe somebody cannot go to reflexology every week, you know, because it gets a little costly. Pedicure is a good stand-in for that. You know, someone is there to care for your feet, to make you feel pampered and relaxed. And that's a good thing because then you feel taken care of and you feel like you're nourishing your body. And then when you are in that frame of mind, then you can help others. You know, if you're not, then you're not really any good to anybody. You know, I was, I was thinking about this example of like, you know, you've got a friend who is going through a rough patch and they need to vent and they need to talk to somebody about it just to like get it out of their system, right? And you're there, you meet for coffee, you're there, you're like 
the good friend, the shoulder to lean on, but you only had four hours of sleep. You're thinking about kids, doctor's appointments, meetings with teachers, grocery lists, you know, stuff with your business, whatever it is, grading papers as the case may be for me. <laughs> um, you're not really present for your friend. You're not listening. And so that's not really supportive of your friend because I know I've been that friend who wanted to meet with someone just to vent, just to kind of unload. And when that person isn't really present and they're just sort of there physically, but not mentally there, I feel discouraged. It's like, I wanted to talk to you because I wanted to feel seen because there's something so valuable about somebody witnessing you witnessing what you're going through and, and just being available to say, Hey, it's okay. It's human. You'll get through this. Um, but if that friend isn't there for you, as you're trying to get through the thing, then you feel like, okay, I just kind of wasted my time, you know, like I didn't feel supported, whatever. So if you're, the, if you're the person who's supposed to be listening and offering support and you're not hundred percent, you, hmm, you're going to have two people who are not so great you know, and that doesn't help anybody. So it's so important for us to care for ourselves so that we can do the work of peeling away the layers that have covered up our joy light. I want to call it the light of our inner joy, our divine light. And when we can peel the layers back and connect, reconnect with that light, then what miracles that could be. You're going to radiate out and people are like, Ooh, I want that. That's what I want. I want to be able to do stuff like that. I want to be able to take on any challenge that I have and be like, cool, bring it on. I'll take it on. And then just do it so joyfully that people will be like, what is she on? You know, like, who is that? <laughs> And they get curious and they want to try it too. And then that's how the ripple effect starts to happen with the joy. You know, if you're joyful, then people around you be like, hmm, yes, yes, I want that too, please. Um, and so it really comes down to how can we peel away the layers? How can we heal the traumas that we have within us that we're carrying? Traumas that maybe we don't even know about. How do we peel those away so that we can allow for that inner light of joy to come forward a little bit more, to radiate out? And, and so these are some questions that I've been thinking about as I put together a program called Alchemy of Joy. So I'm thinking about how can we transmute the pain, the suffering, the trauma of our lives into joy? How do we do that? We can go through the stages of alchemy. Alchemy is really cool, by the way. <laughs> and we're not going to be turning literal lead into gold, but we will turn the lead of your trauma into the gold of joy. Mm -hmm. You like that? And we're going to use movement, meditation, magic, tarot cards and things um, as part of the process. So I invite you to check out my story of joy, which was sent out last week, but then to look at my um, live sessions about joy, because I'll be talking a lot about joy this week. 
as far as how we can heal the traumas that are preventing us from connecting with our inner joy. What can we do to heal these traumas in a way that feels safe? We don't want to activate and overwork our nervous systems. How can we do it in a way that builds resilience in our nervous systems? Because our nervous systems are the bridge between the physical and the spiritual. And it's so important for us to really create healing around that, to create resilience around that and strength. And so, you know, pop into my Instagram to see what's up. Um, but joy is really the thing that we're here for. And I invite you to take a look at your own life and ask yourself, where is the joy in my life? Where did I hide it? Because it's there. I'm not saying it's not, it's there. It's just, we've tucked it away in the corners that we've forgotten about. You know, I don't know, I don't know if, if this happens to y'all, but sometimes I put money in places I forget. <laughs> You know, like maybe it's just in my back pocket and I find it in the laundry, you know, or maybe I put it in an envelope. I'm like, oh, I got, I'm going to put this away for now. I'll come back for a rainy day kind of situation or, oh, here's a, like a couple bucks that I, that, you know, somebody just threw my way. I'm going to put it in this, in this little tin over here. And that's what joy feels like sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, oh, I got this little piece of joy. I'm going to, I'm going to go hold on to it. I'm going to tuck it away somewhere. I'm going to go put it in the cookie jar, you know, because when I eat cookies, I feel so joyful. <laughs> um, so yeah, I invite you to take some time this week to look for the joy in your life. Where is it? It's there. It's just, maybe we haven't taken time to look. And if you're having a hard time finding it, reach out to me and I will help you. And if you come across some old wounds, notice that, just look at it. Don't judge it, don't change it. Just, just notice that it's there. Be like, oh, I see you. I see you roadblock on my path to joy. Let me write you down, take note of it, and then think about what I can do to heal that particular block. How can I move through it? If you want to, you can, you know, ask me questions about my program and see what happens. Um, and I'm sure you just heard a crash just now. I don't know what's going on outside of my studio, but, you know, life. That's all I got to say is life. <laughs> but anyway, that is my take on joy. I will be speaking a lot more about it this week in my Instagram so follow me at Leslie Ann Hobayan and bring some questions. We'll be discussing some ways to heal, to release the wounds of trauma, to build nervous system resilience in ways that are kind to our systems. Okay. So here's one more question for you before we close. How painful does it have to be before you take action? How painful does it have to be before you take action to heal, to peel away the layers, to move towards joy? I'm going to leave you with that question. And I will close 
our episode with a poem, but I got to go grab a book. Hold on a second. I totally forgot to bring it over to my desk. Uh, a poem by Rumi. Okay. This is called The Music. For 60 years, I have been forgetful. Every minute, but not for a second, has this flowing toward me stopped or slowed. I deserve nothing. Today, I recognize that I am the guest the mystics talk about. I play this living music for my host. Everything today is for the host. I saw you last night in the gathering, but could not take you openly in my arms. So I put my lips next to your cheek, pretending to talk privately. Hmm. There's some joy in the closeness and secrecy. I mean, joy can be that too, just a small little thing, little moments. Joy can be flowers. Joy can be your favorite song. I've been dipping into the, uh, the music of the 90s lately because my kids are like, I guess that's all the rage. They call it the old songs, which I think is hysterical. <laughs> but, you know, it brings me joy. So my friends, find your joy this week and reach out. Tell me what thing you'd like to share that has brought you joy. You can do that either in e on email or in my DMs on Instagram at Leslie Ann Hobayan. And so we'll close today's episode as we always do. The divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos, by signing up for my newsletter, which will be more light to your inbox. Go to suryagiyan.com slash subscribe.